Hi, welcome to History's Great Speeches. I'm Charles Featherston, voice artist, narrator and compiler of the series. Please like or subscribe and feel free to contact me via Bandcamp, Podbean, Facebook or Patreon to let me know speeches or time periods you'd like to see covered. You can find a full set of links at my website, charlesfeatherston.uk. The Common Labourer, 1890 We use the term common labourer in no derogatory sense. There are a vast number of working men who are without trades, termed, not always rightly, unskilled labourers. Their importance in carrying forward the great industrial enterprises of the world has not been recognised in the past and is not appreciated now. In this fact lies the germ of discontent and danger. This magazine is the organ of a body of working men, of whom it has been said they are not skilled labourers and that they do not become such until they are promoted to the position of engineers. Manifestly, this is an error. No one at all capable of giving an opinion in the matter hesitates to say that it requires skill to properly fire a locomotive. The term skill is often used in a sense which does great injustice to men who do not wear the badge of some particular trade, and hence the term skilled labourer is never applied to men who are known as common labourers. The Fireman's Magazine is watchful of the interests of the great body of men who are members of the Brotherhood of Locomotive Firemen. It observes with profound interest the movements of all labour organisations, because in such movements it professes to behold the redemption of labour from oppression and degradation. We make no apology for asserting that the welfare of the country centres in the one fact of doing absolute justice in all matters relating to fair wages for work, by which we mean such wages as shall make the home of the American working man exempt from the ceaseless peril of mendicancy. The American idea is to obtain such wages for work as will make the American home comfortable, where there shall be an abundance of food, decent clothing, apartments for rest and recreation, not shanties, not tenement houses fit only for beasts and bats, fit dwellings, fit places for American children to be born and reared, and when the wages are sufficient to secure such needs, the American idea is to maintain them, and when wages fall below securing such requirements, the American idea is to organise for the purpose of obtaining them. It is clear, therefore, that the American idea is the betterment of the American working man regardless of trade. In saying this, we state the whole case. The American working man is an American citizen. He has the same sovereign rights and prerogatives as any other citizen. If he can secure sufficient wages, he will be in a position to appreciate his privileges and dignity, his sovereignty. If circumstances are created which deny him such wages, which compel him to live like a pagan, like a degraded Hungarian, Italian or Pole, who have no more conception of American citizenship than savages, those who create them and profit by them are not only enemies of working men, but are enemies of their government, and if their purposes cannot be thwarted, they will ultimately inaugurate revolution. We have said that the hopes of the country centre in the emancipation of the working men from conditions which compel them to accept such wages as keep them forever on the ragged edge of mendicancy, bring them in close contact with famine, make life a ceaseless burden and horror. The organisation of men of the same trade or calling has a cheering significance. It means resistance to wrong, it makes federation to secure and to maintain the right. It means fair wages, but those organisations leave out the common labourer, 
that vast army of working men who work and whose work is necessary to enable the skilled labourer to work and without whose work every industrial enterprise in all lands would cease. Do we overestimate the importance of the common labourer? They perform the initial work in all enterprises. We need not particularise, no intelligent reader will be at a loss for illustration. We do not care where the reader begins. It may be the statue of Michelangelo, the painting of Raphael or St. Peter's, from foundation to dome. It may be the most delicate piece of mechanism seen in the Paris Exposition or the ponderous engine, whose mighty arms set in motion the wheels and spindles and lathes of the mill. All, all, everywhere, from the deep solemnity of the mind to the capstone of monuments, Cottage, palace, steepled church, domed capitals and cathedrals, the steamship and the steam car, the bridge, the tunnel, the canal, the steel highways, the telegraph, the telephone, the fruitful fields, where the bearded wheat and tasseled corn nod in the breeze, tell of the work and importance of the common labourer. Well, what is the world doing for the common labourer? Who will answer? He has been left out in the cold. He does not organise. We have had, and we hope still to have, words of appreciation for the organisation known as the Knights of Labour. We glory in its growth. We deprecate anything that hinders its advancement. The Knights of Labour organisation takes in the common labourer. In doing this, it meets a requirement of incalculable importance and is deserving of the highest commendation. In the organisation of the Knights of Labour, the common or the unskilled labourer finds a home, a retreat where he can do that for himself which the skilled labourer does for himself in his organisation. If the labour organisation confers benefit, and none doubt the fact who know anything of their operations, why should not the common labourer, the unskilled working man, participate in such blessings? Why should not the home of the common labourer be made bright and beautiful? Why should not the wife and children of the common labourer be surrounded with the comforts of life? No good reason why such should not be the case ever was furnished, nor will it ever be supplied. And the knights of labour, comprehending the importance of having such men organised, take them in, and incalculable good is to result from the movement. The labour organisation is in many regards a school, an educating, elevating force. And the fact that the common labourer is to enjoy the advantages of such an organisation is well calculated to inspire hopefulness in the future for the common labourer of the country. The work in which the knights of labour are engaged is a noble one. The work in which the knights of labour are engaged is a noble one, and all friends of the toiling masses will rejoice to see the organisation achieve success.